many employees do you have? How do you train them? How much time do you spend doing this? X, Y, Z, question after question after question, you know, while I could like gradually figure out like, oh, they, they like you to hear these things. You know, we need to do more of this with the product, less of that, that type of thing. So it's this constant refinement on the spot, trial by fire. It's a, it's a bit of pressure, but you're going you're gonna, to... Um, you're going to get a far better product and a far better knowledge of what you need to do by putting yourself in those positions more and more. You know, just speed things up astronomically rather than sitting at home thinking, oh, I think this might work. Like, you just don't know. You have to go and do it and test it and try it. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of read about it and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, it makes you feel calmer because a lot of the time I'm kind of running at like a five to a seven, you know, I'm quite like, oh, like stressed out. Not stressed out, but like quite let's do this like let's do this like the next thing that type of thing so i saw it as a way to kind of level that out a little bit and then you know get get a bit more focus in my life rather than being a bit more scattered so that's kind of what got me into it and since i got into it i just have learned learned so much you know about how to kind of manage yourself in different situations and realize that hey this thing over there happened and it was quite meaningless but i put this meaning on it and then you can be like oh was that actually true I guess not, you know, and then you can place a more positive meaning on it and move from there. I guess, I guess we were kind of hurting a bit from, um, from, you know, not being able to sell that first product that we had. So I really kind of wanted to, I guess that was like the burning thing. Like I'm not, there's no way, like I'm hurting from that a bit. I'm going to double down. We're going to do this and turn it into a thing. Like do or die. It was like a full do or die attitude, I guess. Tenacity of. Yeah. It was just like, that's fine. I'm going to go out. Like I'm, I'm not going to like quit before I know that I've really given it a proper good hard crack, you know? Hi everyone. And welcome to another episode of the Y2 podcast here on the Y2 podcast. We're all about changing the narrative and rewriting the book, but what it takes to be successful by taking on the myths, misconceptions and downright false narratives written, what you need to do in order to be successful. To do that here on the YT Podcast, I find and interview everyday successful entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders and dive into their stories to discover what it took them to actually get started and be successful on their journeys. This podcast is really meant for anyone and everyone who aspires to do more than they're doing now, but perhaps doesn't know where to start, feels overwhelmed with the prospect of change, or has either been told by somebody else or maybe themselves that you just can't do it. This is all about uncovering the real stories behind people like you who have taken those first steps and are well on their way to success in order to help shed light on how you can live that life as well. Now, before I introduce you to today's guests, and in this time, if you've ever heard this bit before, make sure you don't hit that skip button quite yet, as I want to take a quick minute and thank the Y2 Podcast sponsor, as it is actually serves as a fitting lead-in to our guests today. Now, YZ is the easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. I actually love this product so much, I reached out to these guys and wanted to work with them as I see the power of this system for clients. This online training software is very flexible and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business. For example, you can manage all of your employee training, train customers and partners in your products, track licenses and qualifications of your staff, create and sell online courses, capture more leads with free online courses, and so much more. Now make sure you jump over to their website, yz.com, that's w-y-z-e-d.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own free 14-day trial, and of course, let them know I sent you when you head on over. But back to the show though, and today's guest is Aaron Price. 
Now, Aaron is one of the co-founders behind both YZ and Cloud School. YZ, his latest business, obviously requires little introduction as they've been the official Y2 podcast sponsor for many episodes now. In addition to that, though, I've actually been working with the team at YZ for the last few months and had the opportunity to get to know Aaron personally through that time. It seems like just about every time we speak, I always come back to this one question that has almost haunted me since I first met him. And it goes simply this. How does a guy who has a degree in and still occasionally moonlights as a radiologist run a successful global software company from rural Australia? Aaron has never taken any formal training in business or even worked in another software company. They've never taken any outside investment, but yet he and his team have still managed to grow this business from nothing to doubling each quarter, all while still living in rural Australia. I've personally watched him close large enterprise deals, write amazing marketing copy, forge some unlikely partnerships, become an incredible leader, and work with the rest of the team around continuous development of the software product and the company itself. This, for me, was a great opportunity to finally pin him down and explore what values, belief, and mindset Aaron has built and fostered through his last few years of starting a software business, leading him to his place where he is today. Often when I speak to people, they have a reason why they can't start a business, whether it be they don't have, they don't feel they have background, whether they're not trying to get venture capital, or maybe they don't live in Silicon Valley or another tech hotspot. Yet Aaron and his co-founders have managed to build a successful software business with no business background, no venture capital, and living hours away from any major tech hub. At the end of the day, Aaron has really shown me that no hurdle is too big to work towards your dreams. Now, if you like what you've heard so far and you want to hear more stories like Aaron's, please make sure you subscribe to the Y2 Podcast wherever you listen to this. In fact, I'll give you a quick moment to go over there and do it now. So go on, take a moment. Awesome. Welcome back. These stories are really meant to educate and inspire you to take meaningful change in your life. And there's plenty of episodes of the Y2 Podcast coming in the future, as well as a secret new project to be released very soon. But you have to make sure that you've subscribed so you don't miss out. As always, you can follow the Y2 Podcast on our website, projecty2.com. That's projecty2.com. Special thanks to Jason Price for editing this episode and providing the Y2 Podcast with a brand new tune. With that being said, let's get to today's chat. Welcome to the Y2 Podcast. Dustin, thank you for having me, sir. My, I'm, uh, as always, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to sit down with, with my guests and, and really dive into their stories. Um, but today is going to be a little bit different, and I'm, I'm just going to take a quick moment, if I can, for my listeners to, to sort of preface two, two important things for today. The first one is people might have picked up on, and they'll pick up on very soon. Um, for the first time in the Y2 podcast history, um, you and I are in geographically different locations. Uh, so we're using the computer uh, first first uh, internet interview, so I, I apologize beforehand for any audio or any glitches or anything like that. Bear with us. It's going to be golden here. But the other thing, too, which makes um, you, Aaron, different than previous guests 
is looking back over my previous guests, they've been um, people I've known um, for, for quite a while. Um, and I've been, there's a story I've been following, I should say. Um, some people I've been referred to and some people I've just stalked on LinkedIn or cornered them at random events and twisted their arm into the podcast. But with yourself, I've, I've had the pleasure of not only knowing you, but actually working beside you, as, as people probably know from the bio, they would have heard you're, you're one of the co-founders of YZ, which I've, uh, I've, I've obviously joined on and, and I'm partnered with you guys. But in that, you have single-handedly damaged my ego, destroyed my ego. <laughs> I, I like to think that my superpower in life is being able to look at all the different um, points in people's lives and, and understand their story and be able to connect the dots or reverse engineer it. So the people that we see today and my guests where we see these superhuman people doing incredible things, if we break down their story, you can very quickly see where the behaviors and the patterns and the beliefs and the values created. But I've had the pleasure of knowing you for, for many months now, but I, I feel like every time we talk, I learn something else about you that just confounds me more. Many people know when I look at guests, I look for the wait what moment, but it's rare that I have those on a, like a, almost a, a, a bi-weekly basis with yourself. I learn something new about you or when you just produce something or you come up with something that completely blows my mind. So I'm, I'm really honored to be able to sit down with you today and finally try to crack the, the story that is Aaron Price. So I thank you so much for joining me today. Well, uh, that's, that's quite a wrap. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> my conversation can live up to it. <laughs> um, I've no doubt it can. But, but as always, when we want to start to look into the guest stories, we, we need to go back, way back. In this case, way, way back to, to a young Aaron Price. And you were telling me earlier you had a great story about uh, a time you and your family were out for uh, a bit of a stroll. I'd love if you could... Uh, yes, 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 that's right. You know, as you know, you asked me, um, you know, what's, a, what's an early childhood memory or what's a story that kind of summarizes your personality or you know, a little bit about you? So I guess the one that might summarize it most is you know, each night after dinner, mum and dad would take us for a walk, uh, me and my brother. I've got one younger brother. He's three years younger. So we'd go for a walk and we're walking along this bush track and a tree had fallen down across the path. And um, my brother had gone up and he'd walked ahead and he'd actually just sat down on it. He's like, Hey, mom and dad, like, look how good this seat is. Like this seat fell on the path. (laughs) He's super content. He's just happy. He's always just had a great outlook on life. Nothing bothers him ever. And then I was the exact opposite. I ran and like jumped over it and started chopping down flowers. I was like, mom and dad, look how good like this hurdle is. And like, you should run and jump back and forth over it. Like some obstacle to jump over. So um, I guess it's always been like a bit of ADD or a bit of like, (laughs) energy going on there so um yeah i guess that's that sets the sets the scene (laughs) (laughs) so to speak no fair enough i think i think as we go through we tell your story that that'll certainly come and uh provide a bit more insight as well to to uh to the life that is aaron but interestingly enough i think if people go to your linkedin profile um and i was genuinely um shocked to learn this that your degree, your profession, if you will, has literally nothing to do with what you do now, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've discussed this yep. before. I think the only crossover between what you do with your degree and what you do with your job and what you do with YZ is literally just opening up like Word documents. I don't think there's any other transferable skills. Would that, that be about right? 
Uh, Word docs, that's about it. Yep, typing on a Word doc, signing off. There's a few skills that you do learn though, working in an emergency department that that are transferable. But yeah, as far as day-to-day tasks, Word docs are probably about it. Absolutely. So I just, I want to get, I I have your degree written down, but I want to get you to to fully list off and just very quickly. So what did you go to university for? Um, So I went to university to study diagnostic radiography, basically medical imaging. Um, yeah. So like uh, x-rays, MRIs, that sort of, C- that sort C- of CT scans, yeah, working in theatres, things like that, showing doctors, put the drill here and put the nail here to make the plate <laughs> line up correctly, that type of thing. So, so as, as a young man, why did you, I mean, why did you make that decision? Where did you think your life was going at that point? Um, the, to be honest, there was not much thought behind it. Um, I was probably in year 10 or 11 and one of my friends dad's um said oh i think it might have been his birthday or something so i was talking to his dad and his dad was like what aaron what do you want to do when you grow up so i have no idea like as if you know when you in year 11 <laughs> yeah um and he said oh he was a local radiographer he was the chief radiographer at a local hospital and he said do radiography like you go to work you get paid decently you never have to take it home which was a big win for me because my mm-hmm. parents are teachers and i used to always see them bringing work home so um i knew i just wanted kind of a platform I knew I didn't want to do that forever or I, I just wasn't set on it but I knew I wanted to get a ticket just something so I could do a decent job make decent money and provide myself with options so then I can you know figure out what you want to do in the future when you're a bit older you know what you want to do when you're 18 um very different to what you want to do when you're 25 or then when you're 30 so yeah I kind of just picked that because he said uh <laughs> decent money you don't have to take it home and um yeah, that was my decision was made. <laughs> That's what I went and did. So fair enough. I, I suppose when when you look back at that time in your life, did you have any inkling as to what was sort of drawing your attention, or was it really a, a you know a really blank slate in terms of not knowing what you wanted to do? Um, it was it was quite blank. I I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just I I knew I just wanted to get a ticket, mm-hmm. um, basically a degree, so that I could earn a little bit more money than working at the bar, which is where I was at before. Um, so then I could invest in things that I wanted to do and kind of buy opportunities with that. That was yeah. kind of my motivation. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, um, you know, when you looked at that and you pitched it as like a ticket and take your work home and stuff like that, did you ever have any thoughts as to maybe doing a business degree or like, you know, tech or development or anything else, any, any, <laughs> any other degree, which maybe would have helped lead in? Like, did you ever have any thoughts around um, or any doubts as to the degree you were taking and the future opportunities? No, strangely enough, at the time, I, I guess like the awareness of a 17 year old is quite limited, but I always had little projects forever and ever. As far as I can remember outside of school, just little things I would work on, whether it's like you know, shaping a surfboard or creating a spud gun or w- whatever it might be. There were, I just always had these little things that I worked on. So I knew I kind of wanted to figure out something else I wanted to work on, but I just didn't know it was a business yet. Mm. <laughs> so. I just wasn't aware enough at that time, you know, so. Look, looking for another project kind of thing. eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So you, um, so you finished your degree, um, and you started working right after that. Did you jump into something right away after you started making some money? What was, what were those, uh, what was that first sort of year or so after you, uh, after you graduated? Yeah. So the first year, once you graduate, you basically, uh, my degree, it teaches you maybe, 10% of what you need to know. You, you learn the other 90% once you start working. Um, so I got into a hospital up in Newcastle. Um, 
you know, saw a lot, learned a lot very quickly. It was a pretty steep learning curve. And after a year, it was like, oh, I can kind of do this now. I know what I'm doing, got a bit of confidence. And then um, after that, I had the option to either, you know, go and do a bit more study and do slightly harder type scanning, ultrasound, things like that, or, um, you know, maybe put my money towards something else and go a, a slightly different direction. And that's kind of what I chose at the time, you know, probably around 18 months after starting working yeah. in my first job. I think that's an important point too that you brought up. Um, and just for my listeners listening all over. Uh, so Newcastle is about two hours south of Sydney, Australia. Is uh, north. Yeah, just north. Two hours north of Sydney. Two hours north of Sydney. There we go. So yeah. we're talking, you know, we're not, we're, we're not talking like you're, you're in Sydney, you're in a hotbed of, um, you know, development. You're, you're in kind of a rural or smaller kind of community. Eh? Yeah, correct. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So then, um, so then a bit of time passes. So uh, what was that? What was that first step then into in, into business? Then what, what did that first opportunity look like for yourself? Um, well, I just I remember I'd gone on a holiday and I got home, and I was like, oh, okay, that was cool. Like um, that was enjoyable, but I just kind of I don't know. I kind of I was thinking about doing something else, like doing something more, or you know, starting another project, whatever it might be. And just so happened, a good friend of mine, he was living on the far south coast in a town called Ulladulla, where I am now, actually. Um, and I was down visiting my parents because I grew up in Ulladulla. It's just random how it happened. I grew up born and bred in Ulladulla, um, went to Newcastle University, and just so happens that I'd always meet my family in Ulladulla. And my friend had just moved there. So I caught up with him, and he's a school teacher, um, just like my, both my parents are school teachers. And he had this idea that you know, his job could be a lot easier and a lot better for a lot of teachers everywhere. So he, he kind of could see that I, I guess I was interested in doing other things as well, starting different projects. And he said, why don't we start a business? <laughs> and um, I think we should make it online learning. I think we should do, you know, online learning. All the kids are glued to their phones. It would be really cool if teachers had a very simple, beautiful tool to present their, um, their teaching, send it to the kids' phones, you know, make sure the kids can get access to the content that they need and just kind of empower the teachers. So, um, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. And it was originally an iPad app um, that, you know, our, my co-founder designed, planned, you know, I supported him with, it, with whatever needed to be done. We pulled all our money together and we paid this development team and we spent way too much money just not knowing <laughs> what we were doing. Um, you know, the iPad app didn't quite get the traction we wanted. And then we thought, okay, cool. Let's make it a web app so everyone can access it for free. You know, we'll upsell them on a free account. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. And we just, uh, we just kind of found a developer, uh, a third party developer, and they gave us a quote. We didn't know if it was good or bad. Um, we pulled heaps of money, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars really <laughs> of our savings. It's pretty crazy looking back on it. Um, yeah, and we just just went and did it. We designed it. We paid these guys to develop it, and um, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how it went. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm really curious. Even to go back, I mean, even when you're chatting with you now uh, with the co-founder, your friend around this project, I mean, mm. uh, was it was it literally just the course of one night where you you just kind of got talking about you know, you were talking about yourself and he was talking about that and it just kind of together. I mean, what, what was those early conversations in terms of putting the idea forward and starting to conceptualize what it maybe could be? 
Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess because I was coming down to Ulladulla a lot just to kind of hang out and go surfing and see my family and I was, um, yeah, do it, doing that. So I'd catch up with him each time. We'd talk a little bit more about it and narrow it down. And then um, he, he's quite good at teaching himself things as well. You know, he, he taught, he's taught himself Photoshop. He's taught himself design, video editing, things like that. So he would put together these screens and we'd talk to my parents, talk to him you know, flesh it out. And, um, you know, the idea just kind of grew over, you know, six months or so, I would think, um, memory's a little bit foggy there, but yeah, it just kind of grew into a thing where, Oh, now we've got designs and should we do this? Like, I, I, we think this would work. My parents think it's a great idea. Of course, they're going to always support it. They're great. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're always been backing things like that. So, um, so yeah, we just kind of without too much, thought we just couldn't see how we could lose and we just did it we just thought cool we're going to be retired in five years it's going to be awesome <laughs> people just people just get an app don't they and then you get rich like that's what we thought happened <laughs> you know living the something. software dream <laughs> <laughs> you make something and then everyone finds it and they all use it and they pay you heaps of money for it and uh yes that's not exactly how it goes <laughs> well i mean even even for yourself like the one thing i found really fascinating about your story is i mean you don't have a tech background. I know obviously your co-founder doesn't have really a, a pure tech background as well too. So, mm. I mean, when you were looking at starting a business, a business, did you think about starting something that wasn't tech, something maybe a bit more tangible, something you had a little bit more experience on? I mean, I, I suppose what I'm trying to ask is how, what were your first feelings around the idea of starting a tech business? Um, how did you feel about that? I, I, f- I felt good about it. We kind of looked at, um, we kind of looked at, oh, you can charge a monthly fee for this. You do the hard work at the start to develop the software and then you launch it. And I knew we could kind of figure out, um, we're quite resourceful. I knew we could figure out how to sell it and how to market it and how to kind of try and get clients, at least get the first few users using it and, and figure it out from there. Um, so basically the SaaS model was what was most attractive. I remember my co-founder and I having a discussion where we both were just kind of going, this is insane. Like you don't have to sell things over and over and over again. You sell it once and then you get paid month after month, after month, after month. And if it's a good product and it's sticky and it provides real world value, um, people will pay you month and month forever and ever and ever. So that was really what kind of the light bulb went off. Oh, we don't need to keep creating clothes or we don't need to keep shaping surfboards or, you know, whatever it might be, whatever industry you go into, it's you create the software once, of course you're going to build on it and develop it but then you can just sell that one thing over and over month on month on month and, and scale it up. You know, it's a really attractive business model that SaaS model. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And in that as well too, I mean, um, you, you kind of mentioned you just go, okay, once you build it, you just go sell it and market it. You know, you could do that. But mm. where did that confidence come from? Because I mean, if we look at you're doing radiography, it wasn't like it was another business development role or another marketing role that you can pull into. I mean, this is night and day in terms of if you're not trying to sell somebody with a broken leg, you know, <laughs> a treatment. So where did that, where did that confidence, where did that, what do you think that feeling came from about just that, 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 that kind of burning passion and like, yeah, we, we can do this. Where, did, where do you think that comes from? Um, a little bit of ignorance, <laughs> a little bit of like not knowing what's in store and being quite green. Um, just like, Oh, that, that person over there did it. Like, why can't we, I, I guess, you know, my parents kind of always instilled that in us, you know, like you can do anything, just go do it. Like, well, there's no problems there. Just go do it. Like, um, and I guess if you see someone else has done it, I don't really feel like 
you know, some people are born slightly smarter, some slightly less, whatever, but I don't feel like anyone's born, you know, hugely different, I guess, you know, everyone's sim, uh, you know, I guess unless you're born in a third world country or whatever it might be, then you're seriously disadvantaged. Um, but like as a human being, I guess if someone else has done it, I think that's a good sign that you can do it too, is what I'm trying to say there. Um, if someone else has gone and done it, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I, I could probably figure that out and do it too, especially that they've already beaten a path and already mm. done the hard yards to figure it out. I could definitely slipstream them and do what they're doing and copy it and, you know, reiterate it and, and change it for myself. You know, that's kind of always been my mindset. Um, I guess, I guess that's where the confidence came from. Plus, plus, like I said, not knowing what you're in for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and thinking that it's just easy. People just buy it and you get rich, you know, that's how it started. So yeah. <laughs> a bit of combination of things. Absolutely. Look, if, if, if I can, I mean, I think, I think kind of what you said there really does sum up the, the, what, what I'm trying to do on the podcast, right? Um, it, it's really about trying to find other individuals to go, look, these guys have done it or these girls have done it. Why can't you, right? It's not about what can I do, it's why can't I do it. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and you can look at other people. And ultimately, too, something I try to talk about in the podcast is that I think a lot of the times when we're staring down the barrel of a big decision, starting a business, uh, or making a making a move internally for entrepreneurship is that, and I know I echo this quite a bit in our conversations, but it's it's very rare that we do something truly innovative, truly groundbreaking, right? Elon mm. Musk is sending stuff to to you know into <laughs> orbit right now, and that's fantastic. Sending cars into orbit, <laughs> yeah, and, and we all look at that. And we go, it's amazing, and, mm. and it is amazing. But the thing is, is he's not the first person to do it. He's building off other people and other technology, and it's the culmination of that. And to look, really look at our lives and go, okay, what have other people done? They've beaten a path to that. How can I learn from that? Um, mm. And, and again, they can do it. Why can't I? Like, really, why can't, why can't I? You know, we're... Exactly. I think, I think the most dangerous thing you can ever think is like, I'm not, I, I wasn't born smart enough or I wasn't born rich enough or I wasn't, you know, to, to kind of think that you've got some disability where it's just, it's just not true. I don't think, you know, um, a friend of mine actually said something really awesome the other day that um, he, he said, oh, we're talking about, um, you know, an author that we both like and he speaks a lot of common sense and, he he kind of says how do you do anything and the author said just clean up your room first go tidy up your room start doing small things put your socks away make your bed then go downstairs do the kitchen and it's it's just really just a flow-on effect from that my friend said to me in the car it really stuck with me he said if you can do something you can do anything you know what I mean like nothing is actually that hard to get any kind of level of something built, it's all just a lot of small little steps, a lot of small little somethings that aren't actually that hard. Just put them in the line or in the right order and it turns into something big. So I thought that was awesome. I've never thought of that. If you can do something, like if you can put your socks away, you can really do most things, you know, you can figure most, most things out. I think that's great. I mean, something that the Y2 podcast was kind of founded on is this idea. It's this quote from Derek Sivers and he goes, if information was the answer, we'd all be billionaires with abs, right? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of that, there's so much information out there. You can learn from the absolute best people, including obviously Aaron Price on the Y2 podcast. But <laughs> it's, it's about turning it's about turning that into daily action. And I think that's that's um, I mean I think that's one of the most important parts. There's there's certain a, yes. a certain amount of planning. Like I don't want to advocate just mm. you know put it all on red and let it ride. Um, like I don't want to I don't want to advocate for that. But there comes to a level, and and obviously it's been a journey for myself on these podcasts. Even looking back to when I interviewed Jason Price many times 
quite a while ago, he, he aptly called me out to say, I do too much, too much aiming and not enough shooting, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain mm-hmm. level of aim that has to come, but eventually you have to shoot. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a really critical aspect of just, just taking action and, and, and making that note. You know, we'll probably come back to a little bit later on as well too. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of magic in the doing, I think. Yeah. So, so back to that. So you, so you start this business. I mean, how, how were the early days, I suppose, of that business as you, as you started to go? Can you kind of walk us through those sort of first couple of years? Yeah. So we um, made the app. Then we decided we needed a web app, like a free version for people to get. We thought we might be able to upsell them. And then we thought, um, you know, it was kind of hard to upsell them because they're teachers and they're kind of using it for work. So they're like, why would I pay for this? Um, and then we thought, oh, let's make a school account and we'll sell it to schools. But little did we know that the school ecosystem um, is very different to the business ecosystem where there's a lot of red tape, even though they may really want to do something and use your software. And there's 10,000 other things that they, 10,000 other hoops they need to jump yeah. through first to release those funds or prove it, disprove it, that type of thing. So we really hit a lot of um, roadblocks in those first day, first early days there. So. And how were you feeling when that was going on? I mean, when you started to hit these roadblocks and as you went from the dream of retiring in five years to, oh, there's a lot of hurdles, what were you feeling? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll I, I can speak for myself. Um, I was quite frustrated. I was like, this isn't, you know, this isn't how it's meant to be, you know? <laughs> no, you just make something and people buy it and um, <laughs> and then you get rich and you retire. It's not how it works, you know? So we learned that pretty quickly and that was a good lesson to learn. Um, building, the, building the platforms, literally just the very beginning, you know? Um, the work comes after that. So um, ob- obviously there's tons of work involved in building it, but yeah, the real, the real work and the real business development, you really build the platform so you can build a business. You know, the platform isn't the end business is really what you're trying to achieve and grow there so were there any um, moments where you thought about maybe just tapping out maybe going oops i tried it i had to go it didn't quite work out that's it any moments like that um to be honest like we were heavily financially invested like personal savings so it was really like whoa i'm in a pretty big hole here and i'd actually even got money out of the bank like quite a large amount loan from the bank you know where you know, other people buying houses and cars and going on holidays, I was starting to feel the pressure. Like, Oh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can't do everything, you know, that mindset, you know, um, I never really thought that, but I just thought, Oh, you know, we, we, we just haven't figured it out yet. And because we were so heavily um, invested financially and, you know, emotionally, I guess our identities were caught up in, Oh, now we're, now we're building a business, you know, we're building a software company. Um, it's really once your identity is caught up in it and you're heavily financially invested and you've got years of your life invested in it, it's quite hard to get to the point where you're like, I quit. <laughs> yeah. um, that's what I found anyway. Yeah, well, Cause at the same time you were still working essentially a full-time job as well. To yeah. Pay for this yeah. yeah, correct. That's right. And my co-founder was working as well. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, there's was, there was quite a bit on our plates and we just found, luckily, thank God, we just found an in-house developer who we brought on as a third co-founder and he's just been, been amazing. Basically without him, we wouldn't, we, we would have nothing, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's worked out. <laughs> We've been really lucky there. Yeah. Look, I mean, I mean, in all transparency, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to blow smoke or anything like that, but uh, I really do feel like I could do an individual podcast interview with you and the, uh, your co-founder and obviously the in-house developer. You're, you're all just three, uh, 
beautiful and, and, and odd individuals who <laughs> I, uh, I adore to the end. So I'm, I'm obviously I'm so, so happy to have found my way here through my journey. But I suppose then going, going back into your journey, so you were going through with this, um, as you looked forward and as you were putting more of your money into this, was, was there ever, I mean, what was next? I mean, for you, as you were looking forward, was there ever any point where you went, you were thinking, if it hits this point, I'm just going to pull it out. I'm just going to cut my losses. Or, I mean, what was sort of your exit strategy or your thinking in terms of as you looked forward and getting a little bit more deeper in debt and, and, and chasing yeah. things? I never really had one. I just was like, I'm doing this no matter what. And I think luckily both co-founders now and that they had that same attitude. Like there was really no, Oh, we're not going to do it. I don't, I don't know. It didn't really kind of cross my mind. It was like, this is getting a bit hard at times, mm. um, but it wasn't really any thought of stopping. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe there was like a lack of reflection or something, um, but it, it worked out for the best in the end, whatever it was. So. But you had a bit of a turning point as well too, with a, a serendipitous conversation. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, we're really kind of, we're really starting to do it tough, you know, and we, we couldn't get schools to buy it. And, um, you know, it was hard to upsell the free app to teachers, although the free app's growing and people love it. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard ask um, to upsell that. So randomly I had a really good friend of mine, long-term friend. He came down and stayed at my house for a few days and he asked kind of like, Oh, how's the business going? I said, Oh, look, we're still working on it. You know, I'm not sure if it's going to turn out like we had planned, you know, I don't think it will be that it's a cool thing. And at the end of the day, I I would never regret it because like, it's cool. We've got this thing in the world. People all over the world are using it. They love it. We get feed emails every day. Like, Hey, this thing's amazing. You know? So that's just a cool thing to do. It's a cool project, which is all we set out to do um, in the first place, I guess. So anyway, I had a chat to him about it. He said, can I have a look? And I don't know if he'd actually had a look through it or not before, but got my laptop out and showed him through it and he actually owns a business himself and for whatever reason he said oh oh yeah I kind of get it like um could I use this to train my stuff <laughs> and um and I thought oh yeah I guess like I never really thought about that like I'm sure you could um it's pretty cool I guess they can check it check stuff on their mobiles I guess you can see you know where they're up to with things that type of thing and he said all right can I just try it so we got him this free account he started using it and basically came back and said, Oh, look, it's pretty good. It's pretty close. It just would need a couple little tweaks. Um, so anyway, we had the discussion with the other guys and said, look, I think we might be able to make money here. You know, my friend, really good friend of mine, Justin, he said, he said for sure he'd pay for it. So, um, that was all we needed. It took Robert. He's, he's, he's phenomenal. Our, um, our developer, he basically duplicated the whole platform. We rebranded it. He made the tweaks that need, were needed. And, um, you know, within probably, you know, a month, we had a new platform ready to sell. And, you know, probably six to eight weeks later, we're at our first conference selling it. You know, we had a few free users. You know, my, my, my good friend, he was using it, trialing it in his business. He got, you know, introduced us to a few people. We met other people through our network, got a few free users. Then we're all of a sudden we're at a conference and um, face-to-face, um, selling your software to train your employees on um, with online training and online learning. So that's how it happened. That was probably about two years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. How did you, uh, how did you feel when, um, when your friend said, Hey, I could pay for this. I mean, do you remember what you, what you started to feel at that moment? Yeah. I was like, that's, that's cool. I think we should try it. So um, at that time I'd kind of just got a little bit of money back together and then I just thought, 
<laughs> I was like, we might as well do it. Like, well, let's double down. So yeah. I put another you know, 20, 30 grand in or whatever it was. And that, that got us the year, that first year off the ground to go to the conferences we needed to speak to the people we needed to, um, promoting it, whatever we needed to do to get to those where all of the businesses were. Cause we really didn't know who it was for or, or where it was going to go. We're really just like completely user driven development, completely user driven, um, software development ever since that first conversation on the lounge in my house, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it was really cool. And it kind of led us to this point where we've got this really, really unique, cool software in its own lane now. And, um, it's all because we just listen to people, you know, yeah. <laughs> they kind of told us what to do and we did it. <laughs> so. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think for me, that's one of the most fascinating things about your story is I meet a lot of people. And again, probably if I'm completely transparent, even in my own story about my aspirations of wanting to create something no, no different, I think, than yourself and having projects and whatnot. But I think a lot of people through would look at starting a tech business and running a tech business and, and selling, you know, selling a, a, a software, learning management software and go, you know, you'd be you'd be looking for somebody who would uh, you know, I'm sure there's people sitting out there in, in businesses going, I need a few more years of experience in order to to be able to do this kind of thing. But how you had the ability to be able to go out and figure it out on the fly with zero background, no sales experience, you know, radiology <laughs> on the weekends and selling software during the week. I mean, I mean, when you were when you were first at these first conferences, how did you approach people? How did you pitch a software where you had literally just created it and you had just sort of dropped into the whole industry a couple of weeks before? Ah, oh, it's a good question. Um, I guess, I guess we were kind of hurting a bit from, um, from, you know, not being able to sell that first product that we had. So I really kind of wanted to, I guess that was like the burning thing. Like I'm not, there's no way, like I'm hurting from that a bit. I'm going to double down. We're going to do this and turn it into a thing like do or die. Yeah. It was like a full do or die attitude, I guess. Tenacity of. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, that's fine. I'm going to go out. Like I'm, I'm not going to like quit before I know that I've really given it a proper good hard crack, you know? So as I'm just really lucky, you know, I, I want to talk about the team as well. Like, you know, like um, the design work, we've all kind of, we've all kind of figured it out ourselves, And I kind of went and figured the business stuff out myself, but um, the, designer co-founder he he figured out design all on his own like he mm. loves it and he would be one of the best designers you could find now his attention to detail is phenomenal um same with the developer robert um he is completely self-taught in coding he 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 didn't like the video games he used to play when he was eight so he built his own video games <laughs> so it's a really cool thread that i didn't really realize until i started speaking to you that we actually none of us have any any formal training in any of those areas, but because of our interests and I guess our personalities, we've all kind of figured out those areas and come together to join it into the business that it is now. So um, I guess I was kind of fired up by like, I felt a bit, I felt like, I don't know, not, I don't want to say failure, but I felt like, man, I can't believe we haven't been able to do this. It was like the first major thing in my life that we had just really couldn't force it or make it work. So I was then, I guess, hurting a bit and, and just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm doing this. I don't care. Like we're going to sell this. We're going to give it 12 months. And if it's, if we're not making sales by then, we're, that's it. Like we're going to have to, we're going to have to call it, you know, enough's enough. I'm going to put this, this money in, this time in. I'm just really happy that 
that we all had the same mindset. You know, I'm not saying like mm. I was, I was there on my own at all. Um, cause all the co-founders had exactly the same mindset. They're like, yeah, let's double down. Let's go at this and do this and see if we can make it a thing. And if not, we'll, we'll you know, you'll never die wondering. We'll know, <laughs> we'll know we either could or couldn't do it. So, um, it's just cool that we all had that attitude as well. And that all kind of, that, that kind of, without the formal training, I think you, you figure things out, like you have to figure things out. So it's, it's cool that we all kind of have that attitude towards it. So yeah. oh, at the, at the booth on the booths, man, I, I must've been so rusty. I must've been, so, <laughs> um, how so the first couple of times. Oh, I, I think I had like a few, um, I think I had a few conversations with my friend who owned a business and he said, yeah, these things work for me. Like when you say this, I really get fired up when you say that, I don't know what you're saying. So I had a few practice runs with him and, I'd never sold it to business, especially like multi-million million dollar businesses that we started to sell to right off the bat. Um, so it was a lot building rapport with people. You know, I, I feel like I can make friends um, quite easily. So I guess it was building that rapport with someone generally just speaking to them as a person and, and asking a lot of questions. You know, I didn't know anything, so I had to find that out. So I really just asked a lot of questions, you know, how many employees you have, how do you train them? How much time do you spend doing this? Yeah, X, Y, Z, question after question after question, you know, while I could like gradually figure out like, oh, they, they like you to hear these things. You know, we need to do more of this with the product, less of that, that type of thing. So it's this constant refinement on the spot, trial by fire. It's a, it's a bit of pressure, but you're going you're gonna, to, um, you're going to get a far better product and a far better knowledge of what you need to do by putting yourself in those positions more and more, you know, just speed things up astronomically rather than sitting at home thinking, Oh, I think this might work. Like, you just don't know. You have to go and do it and test it and try it. Um, it it's funny. There, the two, two kind of things cross my mind as you're telling that story. The first one is I love the, you essentially burn the boats on the business, right? You, you might not have set out to do that, but just through the whole journey, the boat was burned. There was, there was, there was, two, there was basically two directions. There's quit and lose some money or just, grind. And, uh, it kind of, it kind of remained, it kind of reminded me, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's gone through a similar journey and he, he, he just kind of threw a Mike Tyson quote in I've heard and I love, and he goes, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. You had a plan, you got punched in the face and all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, now I gotta, I gotta make this happen basically. Right. And it, it's exactly. an incredible place. And that's, that's where, as I've kind of had more experiences like that. And if I could go back and tell younger Dustin, you, you can't really prepare for it. You just go for it. Don't you mm. oh, there and ask questions? There's no preparation yet. Ask questions. <laughs> That's yeah. right. The other thing too, I thought was really interesting is this sort of element of feedback. Um, I, I read an article not too long ago and it talked about, there's two different types of entrepreneurs and I'm, I'm going to do this a little bit of injustice, but I'll, I'll do my best. But there's basically, there's the entrepreneur that goes out and plans it and builds it and designs every intricate detail and just this incredible masterpiece of a business and then mm. goes to market and then mm. learns that the things that they'd assumed weren't actually correct and they've burned through all this money and all this time. And then they're trying to pitch it to venture capital and venture capital is going like, what do you have? You, you really got nothing. And then there's the type of business where you research it, you MVP it, and then you just aggressively grind out. Like you don't have a great product. Uh, you, you've got a really skeletons, but you're out there asking questions and really just 
getting that live feedback. I suppose for yourself, I mean, I want to kind of jump ahead a little bit because you haven't done a degree and you haven't had formal training. Do you think that's benefited you versus if you did say a traditional degree and you came from Mm. a traditional business background? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I I think it's definitely benefited because I just didn't, didn't know anything what to expect. So you learn by experience rather than thinking how something should be and then going to try and make it that if that makes sense, you experience it and then you kind of decide your own and find your own way, which I think, I think that's a really powerful thing. And, and that's, you know, that again, touching on both co-founders, they both did the same thing, you know? So just like, I, I can't code, you know, I can't code. I can't create software. Our software developer, he can't design software. I can't design software. You know, our other co-founder, he designs it. Amazing designs. Like I said, you know, it's a full team effort. As you told your story, I mean, I, I can't help but think of um, the person out there who wants to start their own tech business, but doesn't feel yeah. have the background. I mean, that, that's really the person I think that really needs to hear this story. But when you were going through this process of how to sell and how to market, you know, create marketing and stuff like that, I'd love to know, like, what was your process when you started to go, okay, I need to create a website as an example. Mm. How did you go start to think about those processes? <laughs> so... Oh, that's what I forgot to tell you. With the um, first co-founder, the designer, we actually had a little web de- web development business before this where we built Squarespace <laughs> websites <laughs> for businesses and we sold it um, to local businesses, that type of thing. So we kind of did have a bit of a bit of web skills there. We can bang out a website pretty quickly. We can reiterate it. We can make nice graphics, things like that. So we do have those skills. So quite quickly, we could get a website up, brand it up, you know, the YZ website was up within, you know, three to four days ready to start selling stuff. So with, with that little background, we already had that kind of up our sleeve, mm. but, um, sorry, you asked, um, you asked, how did you start marketing? So basically the major thing with those feedback loops, I, I, I did the, uh, really early on, maybe, maybe like three months in, I was like starting to get overwhelmed. I was starting to get run down. I was like, man, I don't really know. Like I'm a bit out of my depth. Like I'm, we're, we're learning a lot, but like this is starting to stress me out. So I did the, this is a full plug because I would recommend it to anyone, but I, I did the 90 day year. Mm. By, um, oh, the guy, oh, his name escapes me now. If I remember it later, I'll say it. But if you Google the 90 day year, it's a great program, a 90 day program where it really just teaches you how to think, how to organize things and how to get, not only daily feedback loops, but then fortnightly and then monthly and mm. 90 day feedback loops. So you can continually going what worked, what didn't every day, what worked, what didn't stop that, do more of that every single day. So you've got the quickest feedback loops and it's just this crazy way to kind of speed up your learning really like don't even give your time, self time to overthink it and just be like that work that didn't keep going on, reiterate. And at the time there was just so much product development happening as well that, while our marketing and our message was growing that, Hey, you know, it's not just employee training, it's training for your customers. It's training for your members or your students, whatever it might be. You know, um, we were developing the product so far. So it was basically work. Like I would go out to a conference. <laughs> I would speak to a bunch of people or a meetup or whatever it might be. And I'd come back that night, jump on the phone to our designer co-founder and say, Oh, um, he's also like quite technical who can plan, plan things out really well and speak to our, developer and they usually they work so well together that they can develop the product really well so i'd come back and be like hey i think we might need this 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 customer needs this or some of our existing users might need x y and z 
And basically I'd go to our designer, he'd design the feature, then he'd go to the developer. The developer would say, yes, we can do that. No, we can't it redesign it slightly, whatever. And then it would go back. So it's this constant feedback loop every, every week from our potential customers to our existing customers and the whole time just super fast refining the product, refining and pushing out the new updates and refining our marketing strategy and um, our message really, you know, how to speak to people and how to sell. So it's quite looking back. I haven't really reflected on it at all ever. <laughs> looking back now, it's quite a, um, yeah, it was, it was fast. Hey, <laughs> there was a bit going on, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was all really good, all really positive stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, again, I come back to I come back to that idea that I think a lot of people have, um, and I know I've spoken with Rohi Bagava, who's who's talked about his previous foray into a startup, but this mm. idea about sort of planning, right? Um, mm. Really going back to the lean startup kind of style, where it's you know I I can't remember exactly, but I think it's like uh, test uh, feedback, reiterate something like that, plan it, test it, you get feedback and you reiterate kind of thing. So exactly. when, when people look at what they want to do in their life, no matter what it would be a business, would it be entrepreneurship? Again, you might be sitting in a business looking at a project or an initiative you want to bring. I think a lot of the times when I speak to people, they think they have to have the whole picture. They have to have the whole mm. eye figured out before they can do something and going, well, no, not quite. And I know I've spoken about this in the podcast has been my sort of business up to this point to play with. But the things I thought were important once I got started weren't important and things I didn't even know existed turned out to be the most important things. Yes. Like you don't know until you're actually in the trenches and going, yes. oh, that's feedback or, oh, I've done something and it didn't give me the response I want. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got to try to figure it out again kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's interesting how you've really organically found that process. The thing too, I kind of want to highlight, and I think for me, as I look at your story, is that you have done all of this, not sitting in San Francisco or London or New York or Vancouver or Sydney or Melbourne (laughs) or Singapore or Tokyo or Germany (laughs) or whatever. You have done all of, you and your co-founders have done all of this from rural Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think about moving to try to find people who had built software businesses and try to, you know, seek a board or mentorship or thing. I mean, what was sort of your, your thoughts around trying to go the more conventional route, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. Uh, we, I don't know. We're always just self-funded and we always just kind of uh, ran it on our own. So for whatever reason, we just never got to that route. Well, I guess we're always, too busy like I kind of looked at it like to go and get investors and do that stuff it might be yeah three to six months maybe 12 months and I always just figured out well I didn't figure out I thought in my head I'd be like I'd rather spend that six to 12 months figuring out if we've even got a business Mm. before I go and ask people and start talking to people rather than going and pitching something that I don't actually know or am confident in so that was always always the thoughts in my mind um you know, let's go and see if we've actually got something we can sell that we can actually grow ourselves. And if we do, maybe then we'll get funding. You know, I'm definitely open to it in the future for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we didn't do that. I guess, I guess, yeah, it was just, we're just going to do it on our own. No matter what, <laughs> we're just going to do it. It didn't matter if we had funding or not, you know? And I guess that time, I, I guess I saw that six to 12 months of you know, finding people to, to fund us or whatever it might be is 
time wasted in those early days, mm. you know, because we weren't, because we we're coming from a different place, you know, it might not be wasted. Let's say you already have had 20 years in a profession and you know exactly the tool that solves all your problems and all of your um, colleagues problems. Well then in that case, you could go to an investor with an idea and say, Hey, we need money. And I know it'll work because I've been in this position for 20 years, but we didn't have that. We didn't even know what we were building. Mm. Um, you know, we, we kind of knew, but we didn't know where it was going to go or what, what it was going to be. So we really couldn't go with that experience and we just had to do it ourselves, you know, to prove that ourselves before we can go and speak to people. I'm sure if we spoke to people now, they'd be far happier to speak to us than 12 months ago mm. or 24 months ago. No, 12 months ago, maybe, but 24 months ago, they just would have said like, you know, go prove something, go <laughs> yeah, do it, go prove something. This? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that comes back to, and while I, I won't pretend to be an expert, expert in the startup space, I know this is something, again, I speak to a lot of people where they have to, okay, I've got to go find investment kind of thing. And it's like, well, well, uh, do you like, can you, can you bootstrap it? Can you build it? Can you MVP yeah. it? Can you get out there? You, you and your co-founders were essentially still working full-time jobs. So you're building mm. this on the side mornings, yeah. evenings, weekends, um, and trying to make it happen. So back to that same idea, you, you might have to work hard, but maybe there's a different route in order to try to get there. Yeah, definitely. And looking back, it would have been, if we could have got, got funding, it would have been so much easier, so much less stress, and it would have been far quicker. Uh, I have no doubt about that. So in no way am I rubbishing <laughs> funding in any way, but it was just in our situation, we were already personally financially invested. We had enough money to kind of prove it or disprove it. And mm. it was just, okay, let's do it. Let's prove it, disprove it. And then, we'll figure out whether we should even pursue this at all, you know, rather than spend five or 10 years further down the track, if it wasn't a thing, it turns out, luckily it was a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Spoiler um, alert. The business is around. It's you know, yeah. <laughs> quarter on quarter. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely open to venture capital. It would have made things a ton easier if we could have got it, but not having done it, I don't know what strings come attached with it and things mm. like that. So, I've definitely spoke to people and they said, yeah, it's the best thing they ever did. I spoke to other people and they said, look, you know, it's been testing. So um, it would have made things easier at the start for sure and, and fast track things a bit. So I suppose looking at your story, I mean, I, I, I think the big thing I've picked up on it is this kind of this theme that you, you haven't had the information from, uh, you know, a, a formal training or, or working in industry that information hasn't necessarily been the key factor, but I suppose for yourself, um, for people who are listening to this and, and aspiring to be on that journey, and even for myself as well, what do you think people um, should be focusing on um, in order to create that success in their life? I believe it's communication and rapport. That's, that's me personally. It's basically finding what people value in their life and encouraging that and supporting that even if it's different to what you value in your life, but seeing that it is good and it does make them feel good and it is a positive thing and then encouraging that um, in them, whatever it might be. So if they're building a business or, you know, just whatever endeavors they're doing, um, I think that's a huge part. And I kind of have learned that um, myself through meditation, I guess I meditate a lot. Um, (laughs) slightly more successfully these days because in the past it has not been successful because um, I really was not being kind to myself at all. I would meditate and I would uh, lose track of the breath. And then I'd go, you lost track of the breath again. You lost track of the breath again. You lost track of the breath again. And you can do that in your relationships and you can do that to people around you. 
where if they do something wrong or in your mind wrong or, you know, whatever happens that you may not agree with, you can then start to see a lot of negatives and not support whatever they're trying to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I've learned recently, or not recently, or quite a while ago, I guess, but um, when you meditate, you really have to be saying, oh, cool, I'm back on the breath. Oh, cool, I'm back on the breath. Oh, cool, I'm back on the breath. So you're mm-hmm. looking at the positives over and over and over again. Then it's very quickly you build more and more attention and you can meditate and then you feel good because you're doing it successfully. So I think it's exactly the same in relationships, in communication. It's really finding what people value, what they really like, and then encouraging that and, and focusing on that. Not like, oh, cool, you went off track a bit there or like, oh, you, you did something I don't really agree with there. It's like, no, no, you know, they're doing things for the right reason and, and kind of building a relationship from there. I, I, I value relationships a lot in my life. So um, that's a big thing for me. And having a good relationship with yourself is just as important as having good relationships with other people. Um, yeah, that, that would kind of be my thoughts on that matter. <laughs> so, where did you, um, you know, looking back on your story, where, when did you get into meditation? Do you remember when you sort of uptake the practice? Oh, look, it would have been, um, I have great conversations with our developer. He's really into it. And he's like, seems like <laughs> way further down the track than me. <laughs> but um, I just realized I really started because I realized I've got, I guess I've got ADD. I don't know if I've got ADD, but I've got like, um, you know, a bit of attention that goes a lot of places a lot of the time. <laughs> Back to the flowers and, and jumping over the, the little oh. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of read about it and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like it makes you feel calmer because a lot of the time I'm kind of running at like a five to a seven, you know, I'm quite like, oh, like stressed mm-hmm. out, not stressed out, but like quite, yeah, let's do this, like let's do this, like the next thing, that type of thing. So I saw it as a way to kind of level that out a little bit and then, you know, get get a bit more focus in my life rather than being a bit more scattered. So that's kind of what got me into it. And since I got into it, I just have learned learned so much you know about how to kind of manage yourself in different situations and realize that hey this thing over there happened and it was quite meaningless but i put this meaning on it and then you can be like oh was that actually true oh i guess not you know and then you can play some more positive meaning on it and move from there so yeah just just seeing seeing what your mind automatically does and then questioning it going is this a positive path for me and everyone around me or is this going to lead to, you know, hurt for me and hurt for people around me? And then make, being able to have that awareness to make that decision in that moment, um, it's quite a skill. And I definitely haven't mastered it, <laughs> but um, we're working on it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. But <laughs> No, absolutely. And, and I think it's funny you said that too, because I was actually just chatting with somebody the other day about meditation. My meditation practice has been, it's been off and on over the last few years, but it's, uh, it's definitely back on. And I realized I probably, um, I drifted a bit too away from a daily practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to that idea to be, to be very self-reflective, to be open to things, not give meaning to things. I think that's really important. And especially to have that gap is the way I, I call it the gap basically between the input and the output, right? Yeah, Just that and, moment of awareness between the two. Absolutely. And this is where I think is really critical. And, and maybe I'll just sort of speak very introspectively at the moment because I've done, I've done sales roles in the past and I've done, you know, just speaking with people mm-hmm. and in the moment, I think to me, what sort of differentiates yourself, you and me, I guess, to be, 
to be again fully honest is in the moment you have that ability to go to conferences and be open and to ask questions and to have people say, mate, this product sucks. Like this <laughs> is bad or this doesn't work or yeah. you don't have any features. Your competitors are, are potentially smashing you. And mm. I think that's really interesting because if I think about myself having been in similar environments and situations, my initial response is I come, I generally have a very negative or pessimistic sort of underlying tone and, mm. I, and I've known about that and, and meditation's given me that ability to build that gap to go, well, hang on a sec. <laughs> they said that, but that's okay. Like that's feedback, that's information. I can change yeah. that. I can adapt to that or not running away with, oh, that's it. It's over. They hate me. I did a shit job. You know, insert monkey <laughs> mind sort of initial response, right? But that ability yeah. to to build that awareness and to build that gap, which then allows that feedback to permeate through, because otherwise it, it feedback and then it creates this feedback loop in your mind, which can be quite destructive. So, yeah, uh, I think it's interesting. But I, w- I want to go back to something too, and you, you kind of mentioned you have a bit more of this sort of ADD kind of. When you started meditating, was it to try to directly deal with that or was it sort of something else that sort of dropped you into the original meditation practice? Um, oh, I can't even remember. I think I just downloaded an app. Maybe I watched a TED talk and it's like something about 10 mindful minutes. And then I started, as I do, I started researching some things on mm-hmm. the internet and wow, this is, this has a lot of positive benefits. So I thought I should try this. I should do this. And then I didn't even know what it was. You know, I didn't really have any guidance I had a few things on the internet or like my phone or whatever it was and and um it was frustrating it didn't make me calm at all it made me like agitated and I I quit for a bit yeah I was like I don't get this like I don't understand this thing <laughs> but I just didn't have the awareness to know what I was doing at that time to then make a make a positive decision you know in that moment so I'd just get frustrated that thought follow that thought oh you're off your breath again oh you've done it again by the end of 20 minutes i'd be like agitated just like oh why did i even do that you know so um because i didn't have the awareness i didn't have that gap that you spoke about to kind of see the input and then the gap and then you know kind of what's happening with myself um so yeah i I guess just sticking with it you know gradually trying to experience rather than oh that's, that's actually what i was doing that's exactly what i was doing so as we spoke before about experience over like you putting your thoughts and your opinions onto the light, onto the world or whatever it might be, rather than, you know, listening to what the world wants and then giving them that they're two very different things. And I approach meditation as trying to force what I thought meditation should be calm. I should be this, I should be that. And I would approach it every single time trying to force myself onto it. And it just, I don't know if it works, you know, I don't, Mm. I just don't think it works. So that once I learned that, Oh no, just come into it like expecting nothing. Mm. Um, it was a really powerful thing, you know, cause you can come in, expect nothing. You don't know what it's going to be like and you can just experience as it is. And I think that's kind of what we've done essentially with the business. Um, and that's how we kind of grew it, you know, just, just feedback constantly through experience through constant doing and experience. So it's quite interesting, the correlation between the two there. <laughs> so. You know, it's funny too, this is sort of an, a newer theme to the podcast that I've really sort of kind of clued in on, but it's this idea that we all sort of have an inherent weakness, right? Um, I have mine, you've kind of talked about, you know, the, the ADD thing could be potentially a weakness as well too, but yeah. how do we, yeah. how do we recognize that? Like, like mine, I can get, sometimes I can get, you know, I, you and I have spoken quite a bit about this, I know, but 
how I, I, sometimes I can start the day with the best intentions. I've got a list 40 things long and I sort of roll up at eight o'clock at the end of the day and I really don't feel like I've got anything done. And I can mm. go days where I just get kind of drawn in a million different, a million different ways and, and how to, uh, how to harness that. So recognizing that, okay, that, that's a bit of a weakness. How can I deal with that? And also how can I use that to my advantage? How can mm. I use, how can I try to reframe that as well too? Instead of trying to, uh, force myself to try to become something I'm not and try to mm. fight this uphill battle. How can I make a slight twist or a slight modification or a slight barrier, or put some rules in my life to start mm-hmm. harnessing that. And that, that's kind of what I've got from your story is that you've done projects. You've kind of been everywhere. You've kind of already built that natural sense of just like, I'm just going to figure it out. Right. Because that's mm. sort of that, maybe that ADD, like I want to go do this. So I need to learn <laughs> how to do that. And I want to go do this. I want to learn. Yeah. How to do that. But then as you've kind of gone, you've started to, focus that and hone that to become an incredible superpower you where you've you can learn probably a lot quicker or you have that open openness through meditation kind of thing so i mean i suppose what are your thoughts about that yeah so um it's interesting you say that because yeah i i used to see like I, i'm sure it drives my co-founders crazy because I'm like, no, oh, this, that, this, that, this, that all the time, you know, they're probably just like, man, shut up. Like <laughs> just focus on one thing, which is what I'm trying to do. You know, focus a bit more on one thing. But what I, I when I first realized that, wow, you're, you're quite scattered, like in your mind, like you, you think you want to do everything all at once. And then in doing so you might achieve nothing. You know, I started to realize that and I, uh, for the first like little while, once I became aware of it, I thought, Oh, you know, I thought it was a weakness and I tried to like shield away or like bury it or like ignore it, whatever it might be. And then like you said, exactly like you said just then, um, you can actually not see it as a weakness. You can actually see it clearly and actually see that it is a strength. And the strength um, is that it gives you a lot of energy, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you might not have the most amazing focus at times, but you've also got the energy and then you can use that energy to then build your focus and focus on the things that need to be done. Mm. You know, so but by, by reframing it in your mind every time you see it you can realize that it's actually a very positive very helpful powerful thing whereas i used to be like see it and be like oh no I, i'm bad i don't want that i don't want that whereas now you see it and you actually go oh that's there's that positive thing again you know that's that's that great energy that mm. lets me do x y and z or whatever it might be um likewise in your case you know like trying to do you know, like you try and do 10, 15, 20 things a day, you know, that's, that's, that's a massive strength, you know? So I guess uh, one thing that may be, may be beneficial for you, I'm not sure, is to actually focus on what you did achieve that day. You know, you might've had 30 things on your list. You probably got 15 of them done. That's huge. You're 15 more than like anyone else doing nothing, you know? So you're so far ahead. So it's just, it's just reframing it and seeing it clearly. And, you know, like I was saying, when you do meditate and you focus on um, the breath, I used to be like, every time I, I went away from it, I'd, I'd be like, oh, damn it, you went away again. Damn it, you went away again. It's just, it's no different now. But instead of when I go away, I actually celebrate when I go back to it. Like, yes, I'm back at the breath. Yes, I'm back at the breath. So you might be like, yes, I did 15 things today. I crushed today. You know, never mind that there was 30 on the list. You know, maybe you were being maybe you set yourself too high goals that aren't, aren't really, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't know how you work, but um, you know, I can just speak from my own experience in that you, to work with something, you can't really change too much, but you can see it. Um, 
in a positive, helpful light that can actually help you and help others around you. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I can just for a second, because this has been, this has been a very, um, this has been something I've been focusing a lot on. And I know, again, you and I have spoken a little bit, but uh, mm. I think there was a Brene Brown uh, YouTube clip that I popped up and I shared on the YT podcast. And she was talking about herself in terms of about who she was as a person. But I thought the, the thought resonated well in the sense that if you try to find something wrong, you're always going to find something wrong. There will always be, what about yourself or the situation? Mm-hmm. But if you try to find something good, that's actually the battle. That That's actually where the wind comes from kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. Jocko Willing, who's another person who I look up to a lot in the podcast, he he talks about quite a bit that if something bad, quote unquote, here happens, it's like good. Mm. What's the positive of that? Okay, you know, okay, the client said no, good. I have a chance to focus on some more clients, or I've got some feedback. You know, yeah, good. This person didn't want to work with me. Great, that gives me more time to focus, kind of thing. You know, so mm. how can we how can we look to reframe everything we do? Meditation, business, relationships, personal health all those sorts of things and start to create the wins because there will always be wrongs. There will always be negatives. There will always be weaknesses, but it's those wins and that's those little rewards. That's what creates the behavior. The, uh, yeah. Like I said to you before, like you kind of said, Oh, what are some of the failures or whatever it might be? I think before we actually started recording and it was actually the failures have been the successes like every single time, you know? So at every stage, um, you know, so it might be like, Oh, you know, you spoke to that guy at the booth and you said the wrong thing, you know, maybe that's a failure, but really it was a success because you learned what to say next time, you know, Oh, we didn't have that feature built yet. You know, Oh, we failed. We didn't have that feature built yet, but clearly it's a success because now we know what feature to build and we can go and do it, you know? So it's super, super powerful. And, you know, just recently I kind of came across some really good, really good article and some really good stuff that I was reading and it kind of just said, you basically, whatever you put your attention on grows and whatever you, don't like whatever you don't put your attention on wilts away so if you look at a plant if you've got your attention on it you're watering it each day you know taking care of it it's going to grow if you completely neglect it it's going to fall to the side so and the same thing can be applied with meditation in your mind whereas if you're always looking at the things that are wrong oh look i'm this i'm that i'm i do too much of this i do too much of that and you're not actually looking at the other side of it because it's equally as successful Mm. side to everything that you can find a negative to there's an equally successful positive motivational side that you can pick having that awareness and then picking the right path which is the positive successful like um you know the goodness in everything that is inherent in everything i believe um choosing that and having the awareness to choose that i think that's where um that's where the secret lies maybe i don't know if it's a secret but um yeah whatever you put your attention on grows and whatever you whatever you choose to ignore it will fade away into nothing, you know? So it's, I, I live my life by that, you know, I kind of want to focus on the things that I know are great that help people around me, that help me, that help the business, that help our clients and our customers. And um, yeah, do more and more of those and keep the attention on those positive forward moving things. You know, there's, there's a million things you can always find wrong with the world and with yourself, especially. Um, so to see those clearly and know that there's an equally positive and beneficial side and then choose that i think that's where that's what i'm starting to learn i definitely don't i definitely can um i can i can think about it i can't apply it all the time (laughs) um but you know every time you think about it you know that's a win you know every time you realize hey i should do this next time and then actually do that you know you win every single time you know so keep your attention on those 
on those little wins all the time. Even in, even like you said, in failures, there are actually huge wins every time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think, I think that what you just said in this last sort of few minutes, I think, I think if I've learned anything from the podcast, it's just that information is everywhere, but that ability, but information is it's, it's, it's the modules, it's the Lego bricks that you build on top of it. If you don't have a solid foundation with those things at the right, the mindset, the beliefs, the values, then Mm. you're building a house on quicksand and it just takes one bad experience for the quicksand to be shaken and everything else to sort of fall through that. But if you focus on that foundation relentlessly and continue to build on it, and that's what I love from these conversations is sitting down with people like yourself who have built successful businesses and are continuing to build successful businesses and still learning that people like you and the Gemma Lloyd and, you know, uh, the Michael backs of the world, you're still building it. You're still working on those things. It's a completed journey, but, there's just those little things to start building on and working on. And imagine if every time you went to try and build something that you wanted to do, you actually felt terrible about it because you felt like you're seeing the failure every time. You're really not going to go too far and you're going to feel, you know, jaded and unhappy. Look, I mean, I suppose, I suppose without it being said, um, you know, you've come to this point with cloud school and now YZ doing incredibly well. Um, I mean, I suppose for you looking forward, I mean, what's next? Yeah, there is always something next. Um, <laughs> I think we've got that about the yeah, air. Always another next. It's always next. So there's there's always something to look forward to. I think, and um, there is a small aspect of YZ that we're seeing. You know, a lot of people really like, and it's not even something we planned. It was just like a offhand feature that we built. Um, someone wanted it. We didn't have any other features planned at that time. You know, we designed it, deployed it, and it turned out to be one of our top top used features that everyone really loves. Um, as luck has it, um, we've kind of met another guy who's been kind of looking for something like this to use in his own business. And um, basically, we're going to we're going to kind of focus another a third whole business on um well not a third one but another business on basically this one feature because it's super powerful um the businesses and we're just seeing how many people can actually use it like maybe 10 times more than learning Mm. um maybe 100 times more than learning and they may get value far quicker out of it you know it, it could just be it seems from what we're seeing now and the people using it within yz this one small aspect of yz like one one hundredth of yz um it's very powerful and maybe we should focus on that. Um, you know, at least try it and, and see where it takes us and start the conversation with some businesses again and explore the experience and see where it takes us. <laughs> so, yeah. Take all those learnings and take all the, uh, the personal growth and the business growth and then just roll that into the next yeah. thing and, and so on and so forth. Well, that's the thing. We're, we're really not starting at scratch anymore. Like we were. So there's, there's tons of things we know, um, right now that we can apply directly, you know, day one and start making you know, really positive effects in businesses with this, with this new tool that we're developing now mm-hmm. an offshoot of YZ and, and a new, a whole new tool. It's going to be really cool. I'm really excited about it. So <laughs> the, guy, the guys working on it and they're very talented. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> so. Still in rural Australia. 
Yep. Still, still no formal business background besides the businesses you run. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible feat, mate. It's, um, it really is. And it's just um, the uh, internet. The internet's good. You know, you can jump on a call like this. You know, we speak to people like you, you spoke to me the other day. You said you spoke to six people or five people in every different continent of the yeah. world in one day. It's pretty amazing. You can do it from your office in your house. Um, the world we live in is amazing. There's opportunity everywhere. It's literally limitless. Like what yeah. is out there, you know, it's just having the motivation to do it and then feeling good about doing it when you do it, you know? So yeah, the right behaviors, values and beliefs, and then just start building on the compound, add in some information, yeah. action. And uh, it, it's kind of hard to not to make something happen at least. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Keeping an eye on time, we now have to transition on to our uh, rapid fire questions. You ready to go? Uh, yes, ready to go. Yep. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Let me uh, grab them up here. All right. So as always, your, your answers can be long or short. It's entirely up to you. But the, uh, the first question is, is what book has most changed your life? And I'd love if you could place us as to where you read it and what context did it change everything? Oh, that's a hard one. I've got so many good books. Um, I guess, I guess the most life-changing book would be, um, oh, there's three. I got a top three, but I'll hit hit them all three, mate. Yeah, I'll go. Let's go all three. So the first one is, um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. And it basically like just shocked my world was like, Hey, everything that I'm that's happening. It's all just made up in my mind. It's not real. You know, it's not real. The only thing that is actually real is this moment. And that was just like, Oh my God, that's so simple, but it's so true. I'd never actually, never actually understood it or even, even had that concept explained to me before. So that was a shocking book that now I try to live by like, is this problem real or have I made this up in my mind? Um, Mm -hmm. The second one, the second most important one is, which may sound contradictory because Eckhart's all about you know, spirituality and the universe and all this stuff, but it may sound contradictory, but Sam Harris, and it's called um, Waking Up Spirituality mm-hmm. Without Religion. And it's basically a study of the human identity, what shapes your thoughts, what shapes your values, and what actually are we at our core. Um, and I had never really understood, like, you know, I'd never really understood like the human identity and the personal identity and what makes people, people, things like that. And he really broke it down and put a really good, um, it's a really great overview of like, you know, what is consciousness? What are we, what are we trying to do? And it just gives you a really good insight into your own self and what you're actually, what you're doing really and what you're trying to achieve. Um, really great book. And then the third one, I guess would be, um, I just read this like each night because it makes me feel good, but it's basically Eckhart Tolle stillness speaks Mm -hmm. and it's just like these little parables. And I don't know what he did with that book, but there's something crazy in it that when you, it's just like a small little book, tiny little book, but you flick through it. And I think it's only like 80 pages or something. And you just flick to any page and there's some crazy little four, four, um, four line sentence or four line paragraph that just is like, the most amazing truth and you just feel so peaceful after it. You go to sleep, you have a really good night's sleep. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what, what he's got going on, but there's something in that book. That's pretty, um, (laughs) pretty interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, I I think at this point, probably, uh, let's say roughly between 
40, 30 to 40% of all the guests on the Y2 podcast have suggested that book as well. Um, and I've, I've gotten it as well too from that and um, I can, I'll just vouch for it as well. So uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't read it, uh, do yourself a favor. It's not very expensive. Book depository, Amazon, Audible, literally no excuse. It's not even a long book. Like it's, if you just, just do it. That's, that's basically, we'll just leave it's it. It's very easy to read. Just do yeah. it. You'll read it. And every time you read something, you'll just be like, Oh, wow. I never thought of that, but how true is that? And then you'll yeah. feel good. You just, I don't know. It's just a really good book. Nah, totally. Um, so, uh, who's been the greatest influence on your life growing up? It could be somebody you knew, somebody you didn't know. Um, I would say my parents, I don't know. I don't want to split them. They're both awesome. I love them both so much. <laughs> hey, mom and dad. Yeah. Hey, mom and dad. Shout out. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe my dad. He's always just been like a hundred percent of the time. And my mum too, equally as much, you know. But a hundred percent of the time, just always like looking at the positives, like every single time. Like, yes, you can do that. Always, they've just been like, yes, you can do that. Why couldn't you do that? Like when we said we'll start a business, you know, most parents might be like, oh, don't do that. You'll lose all your money. And they were just backing it a hundred percent. They're like, go hard, put it all in, go do it. Like you'll do it. Just, get, just do it. Like the whole time, even now they're still going, keep going, keep going. You know, like it's just awesome to have that, you know? So that's been, that's honestly been the biggest influence in my life by far. I would think both my parents there. No, fantastic. Uh, what gives you a disproportionate return on investment of your time and energy? listening to my mind like a runoff in 4,000 different um, directions <laughs> and being unaware where it's going. You know, I feel like as I'm gradually learning to like uh, control my attention, I'm really starting to do far less of the mind wandering and the far less of the worrying about things that aren't real and inventing problems and things like that and really focusing on each day more and more like just that constant feedback loop. What's important, do more of that focus on those things, say no to a lot of things, you know, so I guess following my mind back and forth is the disproportionate <laughs> thing. Um, what mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life and why? And if you remember, I'd love if you could tell us this where you first heard it. Oh, uh, look, I, I guess um, the only one that really springs to mind is what my friend Oliver said to me in the car the other day. And it was, it was basically, if you can do something, you can do anything, you know, when you really break any huge task down, like yeah. it's a, just a bunch of very simple, very small things that anyone can do. So I really love that. I, I, that he, since he said that, I just can't stop thinking about it. If you can do something, you can do anything. I'm like, that is so true. You know? So I, um, Yeah. I, I like that. I love that. <laughs> so. uh, I've, I've got a similar quote to I love and it's the little things are the big things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah. And, and it's the same. So I, I kind of couple that with this Jocko Willings quote of discipline equals freedom. Right. So <laughs> discipline to do things day to day, those little things. Um, and now I focus on just a few little things every day. Uh, the minimum things I have to get done and recognizing to reward myself when I get them done and not being too daunted by the big lists I create for myself still, but just mm. focusing on those little things day to day, moving the needle, even a little bit, even a, even a little bit, there's no expectation why I can't open a Google doc or I can't yeah. do a little bit of planning or I can't do a meditation or I can't go for a five minute walk. Like there's, if I don't have five minutes to go for even just like a quick stretch in terms of just moving the needle on my health, I've got some seriously systemic issues. Like it's, you know, um, those little things are the big things, you know? Oh, exactly right. Exactly right. I second that. I'll be sitting on the lounge, like I have to go do something and I'll be like, no, no, 
Just put your foot on the floor. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's one step. And now stand up. Yeah, great. You're getting there. Now walk up the steps. Cool. Now open your laptop. You know, it's just a whole bunch of little things. And when you stockpile those little wins up, it becomes easier. You're like, great. I've got my laptop open now. Now I'm working. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't want to answer that email. Answer the email. Reward yourself. Hey, I answered the email. I got something done that I didn't exactly. want to do. Kind of thing. Exactly. Or I answered another email or I lifted up the weights or I spent 10 minutes in the gym. Great. I'm going to spend another 10 minutes. Great. Another 10 minutes. Another 10 minutes. Hey, I'm yeah. Workout kind of thing, right? Focus on what you did, not what you didn't do. There's infinite things you could could not do. You know, yeah. on what you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you could give a 20 minute TED talk or some other speech on something you're maybe not well known about, maybe a hobby or interest, what would it be mm. and why? Um, I would give it on. Look, to be honest, I, I would love to give it. There's a couple of things I'd love to give it on you know, meditation, except I don't think I know enough about it. It's just basically like um, managing yourself in the world. You know, when something happens, that thing didn't make you feel a certain way. Like you can actually control those feelings. So if I understood a bit more, I'd love to maybe one day be knowledgeable enough to, to teach people some techniques to kind of handle their emotions day to day. I don't think that's taught at all at well, um, at all in schools, things like that are so important that you just don't know. So any kind of just basic mindfulness techniques, um, in, in schools, things like that are very important. I think, um, off topic, I'd like to talk about surfboard design because I really, <laughs> I really like, um, I don't do it much anymore. I don't really have any time, but I really love you know, shaping surfboards. Uh, it's a really cool thing, you know, to shape it and glass it and sand it and then ride it yourself. You're like, wow, you know, this thing goes across a bit of water and it's so cool. You know? so, um, I don't know how those two could feed in, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> Look, I have heard people um, who do talk about that surfing is moving meditation for them, right? Because meditation doesn't just have to be sitting on the ground, but um, I had somebody I met a long time ago and he said it and I, I, I thought it was a bit wanky. It was before I started meditating, but I kind of then got it because you're forced to think about the waves and the movement of the water. And it's essentially meditation. You're just thinking on your breath or, or whatever it might be. So moving meditation. Yeah. Or if you think you're going to die, you really snap out of your mind pretty quickly. And you're just like, you can't think much. You're just kind of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's meditation, I guess. Absolutely. Look, my onboarding to meditation, I've talked about this, but I, I still love talking about it is I used to go to the gym a lot and I never really, I think understood why I love going to the gym until mm -hmm. you realize that when you have 180 kilos on your back, that you are in the present, like nothing makes you more focused on <laughs> present and like your muscles and your awareness than the crushing weight of 180 kilos trying to pull you down basically right like wow. you have to so <laughs> it's um yeah that or about to die it's all the same you're, you're <laughs> Snap out of your mind chatter and you're in the moment. <laughs> even for a second even for a split second but, yeah um, that's right yeah. um i love if you can tell us about your morning routine oh uh, yeah morning routine um I try to do this, but I don't do it always. Basically I try to wake up and I try to do at least 15 to 20 minutes. Um, just meditation, you know, do you have an app um, or something or do you have a particular uh, type of uh, practice? Mm, I do. Yeah. I got a particular practice that I do each day. So, um, it's nothing special. It's basically just, um, I've got a little mantra that you say when you breathe in, you say one word, when you breathe out, you say the other and just Is that TM. But yeah, yeah, okay, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I got. To, I'm not sure if it's TM. I don't know what it's called, but I got taught this technique a little while ago, and it's um because my mind's so noisy. When I say that word, mm. or the word in and the word out, it really it really blocks out a lot of the other chatter that can go on and the other directions it can go in. So it's really good for I think 
you know, active minds and things like that. So yeah, I just do that for 15, 20 minutes. And by the end of it now, now that I can do it, even when I started doing that, I used to be like, Oh, you meet, you, you stop looking at the, the words like, Rah. and I'd be all agitated. But now I've learned to just focus on the words and be happy each time I go back to the words. And it's, yeah, it's really nice. It's a really good way to start. And then you know, have a shower, have some breakfast and check, check emails. Basically <laughs> exactly the first thing, like over breakfast, check your emails. What do I have to do today? What are the spot fires? And then what are the other things we can organize around that? So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aaron, this has been such an incredible chat. Um, I've really valued the opportunity to sit down and try to crack open the, 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 the legend that is, that is Aaron and, and <laughs> the legend. Uh, well, look, I mean, you know, part of the reason why I want to interview you is to really, to continue to develop the repertoire of amazing individuals who, you know, myself and the people listening to the podcast can learn from, but mm. it, you know, it's all about trying to challenge the traditional success narrative where people say, you know, anybody says, Oh, look, I need to be in, I need this much experience or I need to, I don't have a tech background or I don't have a business background or I haven't worked in the industry or I don't even live in a major city. You know, to me, you're sort of the culmination of a lot of these traditional excuses and how somebody from rural New South Wales, who has a radiology degree can go on to create a global software platform <laughs> and continue to pivot into these other sorts of things. Right. Yeah. So continue to try to, you know, really talk about how maybe it's not about the information. The information is still important for sure, but how maybe the information and that traditional narrative that we're told brought to believe is what we need to be successful. How, you've done an amazing job and you continue to do an amazing job. I know because I work with you firsthand. <laughs> so I'm not just saying that looking outwards, uh, you know, I, I do, I do truly, um, you know, I do truly value, you know, your background, your experience, your insight, and um, obviously all the things I've learned from yourself as well. So um, I want to thank you very much for your time. Um, just for listeners listening, where they, where can they uh, connect with you and stay up to date with your uh, story? Yeah, jump on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect. That's probably the best place. I don't have any other social media. I just, it's a bit too noisy for me. I get too distracted. So um, I've got LinkedIn or shoot me an email, you know, jump on the website. You can always contact me there. I think my phone number is actually on the website. Um, <laughs> shoot us a text, give me a call, you know, um, shoot us an email, whatever. If you want to get in contact, I love to chat to people and hear how they're going and what they're working on. You know, I love I love hearing what other people are into and I love what they hearing what they value in their life. You know, it's really interesting. So absolutely. Well, I'll yeah. make sure you include the LinkedIn um, on wherever you're listening to the show notes and website and whatnot. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for your time again. I really appreciate it. Um, I've no doubt we'll probably do a round two in, in that, the very near future. Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> Thanks Dustin. Appreciate it so much, mate. Thanks so much. It's a great show you got. Um, <laughs> I love what you're doing here. It's awesome. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Take care, mate.